You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, uh, football time, and Tennessee time. Well, the football's played in pads, but they got helmets on time, got some shells on time, big recruiting edition time, thunder rolling in the background here at Fort Rucker Studio time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio as we're dropping this, it should be early, early Thursday morning. We're recording it late on a Wednesday night, just as a full disclosure. But uh, we're going to be releasing this, uh, as usual, uh, early on a Thursday morning. Maybe very, very early on a Thursday morning. Uh, but we have plenty to discuss on this edition of the Go Voss 24-7 podcast. And you know how big things are. We're going back to three wide. We're going like like it's like the back stretch at Talladega, three wide time here on this edition of the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. We're gonna go across town to that home daycare center and get to the one, the only Ryan Callahan, and we're gonna go to that undisclosed location and get to the one and the only Patrick Brown. We have got a lot to discuss. Just a couple quick things before we do that. First off, this news came out Wednesday. Just uh, all the uh, thoughts, prayers, good vibes, and everything uh, out to uh, Eli Gold and his family, longtime voice of Alabama football. Uh, he will be out indefinitely uh, with, with some health-related issues. Never like to hear that. Uh, every uh, interaction I've ever had with him, he's been very, very, uh, you know, just very polite, very nice guy, good guy, and uh, one of the very best in this business at what we do. So, uh, well, well wishes. Get get well better soon. Get well better soon. Is that what we're going to say it? Regardless, you would say it better than we would, Eli. But seriously, good luck with everything. Hope everything gets better on that front. Also, uh, as we mentioned in a podcast that we recorded uh, just about a day ago, uh, Tennessee did get the commitment that we were that we said, or Ryan said, I should say specifically, Tennessee was going to get from Lynn J. Dixon, former uh, former Clemson and former West Virginia running back. Lots to discuss about that, and we're going to do a lot of that in the second segment. Uh, so there's plenty to discuss on that topic as well. Um, but we got some fresh news from camp and some good stuff to discuss. And that Lynn J. stuff, Lynn J. Dixon stuff, we've already talked a lot about that. So we'll we'll push that one to the second segment. We'll get right into it with the football in the first segment. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? We're doing good. Uh, is this the part where I get to name drop like you did, yeah, Eli? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't know any famous people, so. Um, it's not like we're, you know, we're like, you know, texting each other all the time or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's, an, he's, he's a nice guy. And uh, he's, you never like hearing, anytime you hear anything about health these days, you're like, ah, uh, you know, it's scary times we live in. But uh, regardless, well, you know. Well, it's, it, yeah, it's, uh, I'll just say RIP to Vince Scully and Bill Russell. There you two go. Two greats there you of go. the sports world this week. Yeah, and about. yeah, that's my name drop. Yeah, the the greatest. mine's better than yours. I yeah. did two guys; they were more famous. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 I win, you lose. Yeah, you went with the uh, the greatest uh, individual basketball champion of all time, one of the best players to ever walk the face of the earth, and uh, inarguably the best sports broadcaster in American history. So, yeah, big couple big name drops there, Pat. Well, well done, Ryan. You got any name drops? Man, I don't have any name drops, but yeah, the the Vince Scully one. That, I mean, obviously Bill Russell too, but but I mean Vince Scully. If, if anybody uh, you know likes likes baseball <laughs> enough to listen to games on the radio, and and, and I'm, I'm sure they've heard plenty of Vince Scully broadcasts over the years. That's that's just a tremendous loss, a, a life well lived. Ninety four years old, but but still uh, just a, an absolute giant in the uh, in the industry, and I. I was uh, I always enjoyed what, back when I did subscribe to satellite radio to get the MLB package. Yep. Loved being able to drive around at night and listen to a Vince Scully broadcast. It was you would uh, almost every game hear something that made you go, <laughs> "What on earth?" Well, yeah, that's an amazing story. <laughs> yeah, he he made you. He made so many of us who don't live out there still 
know so much about the Dodgers because he just wanted to hear Vince Scully calling the game. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it was just it was unlike anything that uh, that I've ever heard in the business. And uh, I hope uh, up there in big sports broadcaster heaven, he's got a nice warm seat. So lots and lots to discuss. We'll move back into the Vols now. There, there's been three practices, one, two, three practices so far in preseason camp. There's going to be a fourth here uh, just in a couple hours or so. Tennessee's going to start practice number four, the second one in shells, uh, and then they'll take the day off Friday, and then they're back at it Saturday and Sunday in full pads. So football is a game played in pads. It is not played uh, in helmets and shorts. Uh, it is not played in shells. So I, I don't think we need to get too granular into some of this stuff because I don't know how much we really, really know so far because there, there's there's still a whole hell of a lot to be played and they haven't even put on the pad yet. But there have been a few days we can see the guys walking around. We got to see them do a little bit of thudding there uh, on Wednesday in the, in the shells. What do we think so far globally, before we break it down, guys, globally thoughts on just sort of the first few days? Well, uh, Wes, I, I don't know if we talked about this on – Sunday or whatever day it was, but just a lot of guys on this team look like they had really good summers mm-hmm. in the weight room. Um, and, and I think that's when you're watching guys run around in helmets and shorts and then, you know, they had one day of, of shoulder pads. That's, that's kind of what you are looking for. It's it's not all the eye tests, but there's a lot of eye testing going on. Um, and certainly there's a lot of guys who, uh, freshmen to older guys that have leaned up, that have lost weight, that have put on weight, that have um, done all these things that, that, you know, that's an important time of the summer, an important time of the off season when you, you develop guys. And we hear Josh Heupel talk about that a lot is half the game is, is recruiting talented players, but the other half is developing these guys. And, um, you know, Kurt Schmidt, the strength coach and his staff, we, he's totally a behind the scenes guy. I don't know if he's ever done a single interview. Uh, there's been a lot, we've all covered a lot of Tennessee strength coaches and some of them have talked more than others, but, uh, he's, he's not a big talker. He's, you know, I don't know if most people know who he is, but uh, I think he and his staff appear to have done a pretty good job getting this team ready for uh, the start of, start of camp. So early days, that's that's a big picture kind of thing that, that stood out to me at least. And, and a big picture thing I, I would add to that is just I, I always look for, especially kind of in these early years of a, of a you know, whatever you want to call this, a rebuild or, or building back of, of a program, I always look for how much – incrementally or is there a big jump and just sort of overall athleticism and I feel like it may be it may feel a little bigger this year in part because so many guys were out this spring like the secondary was just a shell of what we're going to see this fall um, so you couldn't even get a fair gauge in the spring but I I do think this looks like a more athletic faster and in a lot of cases bigger team uh, so so you've taken some strides I think physically some of it is that offseason development like you're saying Patrick but I think Seeing that full freshman class there on campus, I think it's a good sign that some of the some of the biggest and most physically impressive looking players Tennessee has on this team, and this isn't necessarily a knock on the current starters and things like that, but some of the some of the most impressive looking guys are second and third teamers right now um, that are freshmen who are going to sort of be working their way in maybe throughout the course of the year or even next year um, before you really see those guys. So that's a good sign for the future, and I do think overall this looks like a bigger, stronger, faster team. And you, you expect to see that, but it, I, I think is uh, you know, good to see if you're looking for signs of Tennessee being on the right track, that that roster is taking steps in the right direction physically. Yeah, and, and you got to bring in fast guys, right? They brought in some fast guys. We talked to, to Dylan Sampson and Sport White this week, and they're both in the, the 22, 23 miles an hour range, which is pretty deck fast. Yeah, 23, um, 23 six maybe and in in the case of white that's just crazy yeah and, and you know before people get too excited saying they're like the fastest football players ever that's in summer workouts you're not in pads it's not in a game it's a little different than tyreek hill running 22 miles an hour in a game in an nfl game but um and, and and but those guys all have track times too to back it up so you you, you know you add those two guys you get faster you add james pierce and um, and Josh Joseph, some of the guys they added on the defensive side, they got guys that are long, um, guys that looked apart, guys that will continue to, you know, uh, looking at a guy like Caleb Perry, who's going to continue to benefit from being in, in, in a college strength and, and conditioning program and nutrition program. So uh, that's a good point. And, and some that Ryan made and sort of kind of piggybacks off what I was saying about how you, you got to develop these guys, but you also got to bring some of those guys in. And I think this class, 
you know, it wasn't the highest rated class. Didn't have a bunch of necessarily a bunch of high rated guys, but some guys that really look good their first few days on campus in practice. Yeah, well, that, that that was the point that the, the Pat just made was the first thing I was going to say. Actually, was, was that the the speed to me is something that again we you know we'll see when they put on pads and it's they're getting hit and getting dinged up. But you know, something that you, you worried that that one thing this team really sort of needed right you, you look at last season there were some they, they papered over some holes right there were some things they didn't quite have but they found a way to make it work they didn't have enough team speed overall and on top of that they lost a couple of their fastest guys in Valus Jones Jr. Javante Payton and then obviously Alante Taylor was another guy who's an absolute burner so you took three of the very fastest guys off of a team that needed more team speed just full stop it needed to run faster and I really like that they've addressed some of that in this class that's come in. These guys, and some of them are freshmen, so they're gonna need to get they're gonna need to get bigger. They just are. They're not physically kind of exactly what you're looking for yet, but they knew that when they signed them. Uh, when they got these these couple of freshmen, the 225 pound edge guys off the edge, both move really really well. Uh, they need to get bigger, uh, but still moving really well. Uh, Dylan Sampson's a guy in the open field can run. Squirrel White in the open field can absolutely run. I think those other couple freshman receivers can run too. Uh, they're not maybe pure burners, but they can go and and they've got, got some vertical explosion too. So I, I like that, uh, and I just think they've gotten faster as a team despite losing a couple of their fastest guys, and that was something. You like to see that when you're looking at a coaching staff and saying, do these guys know what they're doing? Are they addressing like very specific holes that a team has? And I think they've done that a little bit in that case. Uh, one th- before we get into uh, some more some, – some players who will play a lot more snaps this year probably, one, one that's already been thrown out there, I, I do want to maybe caution people against getting too far ahead on the hype train with this one, but – I, from what I have heard so far, Squirrel White, while his speed definitely has stood out to us in, in say, one-on-one drills, I've been told that in team drills, you're not seeing quite as many flashes from him. And that, to me, is going to be the bigger test. Yeah. You know, Can he consistently get open in 11-on-11? Is he going to be bullied a little bit by bigger guys because he's still in the maybe 160-pound range? Maybe. Um, maybe, maybe. Maybe still a little bit below that. So uh, his size is going to limit him a little bit, I think, still – I'm not saying you can't use him. I think there's a spot for him somewhere, even if it's just as a specialty guy, you know, to use every once in a while. You, you can probably find a way to get him the ball and take advantage of that speed. But I, I do think right now he's still a guy who needs to continue to develop. And um, it's, he's, got a, he's got a great tool in that bag with that speed, but he's got to continue to sort of round out his game and, and just learn to get, you know, get off press coverage and play physically at this level. And, and all those things will come in time. So I don't want people to get too carried away I've already seen a little bit of hype about that thing. Oh, man, this guy's yeah. going to be a yeah, deep a, threat and all this stuff. He's a novelty player right now is what he is. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's probably a fair way to put it. Like, I, I think he can help them maybe some this year, but I wouldn't be projecting big numbers if you're just guessing. You know, if I had to guess right now based on you know what what, what kind of projections you might have in mind, I, I wouldn't guess he's going to have too, too many catches. Well, let me let me go counter counterpoint Callan here. Um, all right, I, let's boom, go. I don't, I don't think that, you know, if you're fast, you're fast. Yeah. I don't want to say size doesn't matter, but I mean his teammates are talking him up like he's. I mean, we were getting a question about him on our on the board the other day about him being the next Kadarius Tony. Let's not go crazy here. Ooh, yeah. But when Hinton Hooker and you Joe Milton ha- are small and well, Tony's six coach, foot one ninety one ninety three or something too, so big difference. Physically. I mean, he's also several years older. So I mean, Florida's had a lot of those other smaller, fast guys that lit Tennessee up over the years. So. Um, you know, I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to play a bunch because I, I, I'll believe that they rotate a lot of receiver when they do. But yeah. um, I don't know that, that that that's necessarily going to slow him down. Now that said, all all the team stuff we've seen over the past, you know, since he got on campus, going back to the scrimmage, going back to the little bit we saw on Monday, he hasn't really done much. So. But when you get him in one on ones and he's leaving dudes in the dust, and you know it's it, if, if he can translate that at all, I think he'll have chance. And and honestly, his his best chance to go on field might might be in special teams uh, in the return yeah. game. So um, if that's something he can do to help his team, then 
Um, they obviously have some big shoes to fill there with Bayless in the NFL now. Yeah, there is a concern that if, if a defensive back, you know, some of these long physical corners in this league, if they can get their hands on him, can he get away from it? And, and that's something that he'll have to prove. But And, and not to belabor that point because there's a lot of guys to discuss, obviously, but, but the, the speed thing to me was something that, you know, it's – that's also maybe something that maybe shows up a little bit more when you're in shorts and helmets, right? You're not getting hit yet. You haven't had the wear and tear yet. So one of the first things we're going to be able to notice is, wait, can any of these guys move or not? I mean, that's something you can see when you're just out there watching them the way they are now. And it just looked to me like – and not just places like that wide receiver where, where you would absolutely notice it. it to me, it, it's other things. Like, to me, Tyler Barron looks, looks a step quicker. And maybe that's because his hamstring's no longer in, like, seven pieces – um, but he looks like he's moving around pretty I, well. I thought he looked leaner. I think he looks leaner to yeah. me. But. And, and another guy that, to me, looked like he lost a third grader's worth of weight is Amari McNeil. I'm not, I don't know what he's going to do this season. I don't know if he's going to play much or anything. But when I saw him, I was like, that dude got serious. That looks dude wants no- to play more. Yeah, looks noticeably different. Uh, that, that, that was impressive I, I to me to see that. I didn't know who he was because he changed his number. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, that, hey, that, I'll say this too. Just watching this team, I, I, I think fans, you might want to start studying the, the roster. I, I was kind of blown away on day one, and I'd seen the roster, of course, but there are a lot of number changes uh, yeah. from the spring, from last season. Damn, damn so, you kids, what are you doing? Yeah, it's 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 a noticeably different looking roster. A lot of DBs change numbers and stuff like. That. It's just get used to to some some number changes because it, if you're if you got locked in on. Brandon Turnage being 29 or whatever, it, it's it's all different now. Well, you know, anytime you're in a locker room like that and any single digit number becomes available, it's like a it's like a war to get it. You it, know, you guys are blowing this way up. There's like five guys who changed numbers. <laughs> Turnage, Turnage, Kamal Haddon is five now. He took Kenny George's number. Uh, yeah, eight is open as Turnage now. All three of those um, freshman receivers changed their numbers. Didn't they? Yeah. No, just squirrel. He's ten now, and he looks a lot better in ten than eighty-three. Agreed. Um, well, you and guys Mi- know Mi- I, Miller you, changed because he went to defense. Well, you guys and he changed because Jalen McCullough went to two. So you guys know I live for the the mid-July roster update. So I've I've been on top of that for about a yes. month. <laughs> yeah, and I just, you you have. And one thing that that I think you can tell too, and and you know just just the way that a practice is organized you know the, the way Tennessee does everything they do they they do it really fast it's, it's the offense the way they play in a game like they try to practice even faster than that like they go 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 they try to get as much done as they can and sometimes practice will even end like 15 minutes early just because they've gotten all the work they need they feel like for that day and it's like 15 20 minutes ahead of schedule because that's how fast they're moving and in a second year with this staff, because you haven't had much staff turnover, uh, you had a fair amount of players return, uh, some some pretty solid leadership, I think, in most of the individual position groups. I mean, a guy like Matthew Butler leaves, you're going to notice that. I mean, that's, that's just a big personality. Um, but in, in terms of just the way that they move in practice, the way that they're able to get things done, there seems to be an efficiency, kind of a machine-like quality about this team that I, I've liked. I've noticed that so far. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I, I think you tend to see that in year two. I think that that is a, a it's we've been through these cycles a few times now. Unfortunately, we, yeah, we we've yeah, had sure had, have. had practice. Yeah, we had practice seeing this uh, uh, kind of the build up from year one to year three, things like that. But yeah, I mean, so you kind of expect that. But I do think this this staff is well organized and just detailed with a lot of the things they do. I, I think you can tell that they've uh, they've got the with a lot of players coming back. They um, they, they, I think they are going to feel that they can do a little bit more schematically this year, maybe even in, in a lot of cases. So uh, you got a senior quarterback, senior receiver on offense to, to do, you know, do some things with. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a, yeah, it's a well-organized, well-run team in a lot of ways right now. And, and you can definitely tell that they're, they're a smooth operation to watch on the practice field. And that, you know, that kind of comes with the territory in year two, but it's impressive too. I think that there's, there's a, there's a couple of guys, and, and I don't – again, we're not going to get too granular maybe on too many players because there's there's, there's just so many things that, that we don't know so this is, far. This is the section of the podcast when you and Ryan pick half the team as the guys to talk about. No, <laughs> no. That's why I said we're not doing that. Point in fact, point in fact, I, I'm going to do my best to avoid doing that. I'm just trying to, to think about things 
that you can see tangibly based off of three days at camp? Because this is the time, as much as any time of the year, where people are just just hammering you for information, right? What about this? What about that? Who does this? What does this guy look like? What's that guy look like? And it's like, guys, we, they haven't put on pads yet. So well, we're, yeah. we're doing our best here. Like we, we can tell you some things, but some things, there's a long way to go prove a lot of this stuff. Well, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and get it started then. I, I don't want to make any, you know, people always want to know, like, how's the defensive line look? Don't know. They just put on shells for the first time on Wednesday. So, you know, things like that, we'll have to just wait and see. So I, I'll just kind of pinpoint a couple things that, that have stood out to me. I, Dylan Sampson is a freshman that I, I like the way he's looked so far. Um, I don't know how much he's, he might play this year. A lot of that could have to do with the guy we're going to talk about in segment two, Lynn J. Dixon. But to me, uh, among the two freshman running backs, uh, you know, Justin Williams Thomas got got a lot of discussion during the spring. I think Dylan Sampson looks like a guy who brings a little something different. So I don't know that he's going to you know get a lot of carries this year or how they might use him. But to me, his speed, seeing him in, in action, I, I think he can help this team in some form or fashion. You know, maybe it's only three or four carries a game. Maybe it's catching a couple passes out of the backfield. But I I like what I've seen from him. He gives them a little uh, a little juice there in the backfield that they maybe don't otherwise have, even though. Jalen Wright, obviously a fast guy too, but uh, Sampson, because he's kind of a smallish guy, I think is is even more intriguing in some ways. Uh, and then I'll, you know, I'll maybe throw in a, a little bit on the, the the negative side here, just just something that's a I would say maybe a mild disappointment, but maybe not a huge surprise right now. Uh, I don't want to alarm people too much, but he's a guy who's been talked about a lot, so I think it's worth mentioning. Brew McCoy, I, I don't think is quite in tip top shape just yet. Not and part yet. of that's because I, I noticed it pretty. I mean, the first day, I think I, I don't know if it was which one of you two that it was. I was talking to it about maybe even both y'all, but I first watched those drills the first day and went, mm, he, he's not moving great. Here, here comes the, here comes the trademark Callahan uh, wet blanket. I, I knew that Get was coming. Yourselves ready, but but uh, but no, I, I just I know that's someone people are, are eager to hear about. I know it's someone a lot of people are projecting to be a starter and all that. I mean, obviously, we have no idea where he's going to be in the pecking order. He's running at the back of the line right now in most most reps uh, of, of different drills because he's just the new guy, you know. And he's not he's not even eligible yet. You know, they've still got to wait word on, on whether he's going to be cleared for the season, which I think they expect to happen, but they just don't have that final word yet. But just so far, he showed up with uh, I think it was a it was some sort of nagging injury. I want to say a hip maybe that he dealt with throughout the summer a little bit. So I, I don't think he's had a lot of time to get in tip top shape, but just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. It's, you know, you hear a lot of other names at receiver. And I think those, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Calloway, you know, even the freshman we mentioned, Ramel Keaton, you know, as as guys continued to show up in, you know, some of those top five or six uh, rotations uh, at receiver. You know, I I think all those guys are are in the mix and and I would not rule out that any of them could play a a big role. And, and, and Brew McCoy is just sort of a, a wild card, I think, until further notice because he's a, he's a talented guy, you know, impressive build and all that. But I think he's still got some things to prove, and, and we got to see how quickly he can round into tip-top shape because, to me, he looked a little bit, you know, maybe maybe rusty is the right word. I, I don't know, but just didn't quite look like he's fully ready to go if they were playing in the game, you know, on Saturday. And, and this is a guy that's played six games in, what, three years, too? So yeah. Yeah. You yeah. keep that in mind. Throw that in with the injury. Throw that into. He's stepping into an offense that's got pretty much everybody back, right? I mean, it's not like they're doing a bunch of install because they got a bunch of new guys. So he he's joining a, a group that's in year two, and he is in year one, coming off an injury, coming off not playing last season. So it, it shouldn't be a total shock. I know he's been talked up a lot. We've talked him up a lot, to be honest. Um, and, and I still think there's maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. It's only been three days. He's going to round himself into shape. He'll get a chance um, to show what yeah. he can do and build yeah. up to it. Um, but I, I do agree. And, and Wes, you talked about him being stiff. I, that he, he I, I didn't really see that show up or hinder him a lot. It's some, you know, in the six games of college film that we have to evaluate him on, he still manages to get open. Yeah. Um, he eats up yardage better than you expect for a guy that's not running four, three, four, four, like some of the other guys on, on in that receiving course. So, um, so yeah, that that's, it's, I agree with Ryan that patience is needed, but um, it, it maybe should be a surprise, and, and maybe that's our bad for not maybe preparing more for. Hey, here's what's going on. Let's not. Kind of, yeah. This guy's not the starting receiver on the first day of camp, um, and, and that's something I, I know I had mentioned it in the summer a little bit that he would have to earn it. But um, I think a lot of people, myself included, have you know plugged him in as that that starter opposite Tillman, and 
Um, it's something he's going to have to work his way into. And, and Josh Heibel talked about it on Sunday. He said he's still adjusting to everything that they're trying to do. So uh, I did want to add one point on Samson. I agree with you. I think he could be a guy that, that uh, you get that speed in this offense and that space. It's, it's a really intriguing prospect. Um, and, and, you know, with him, with, with Jalen Wright being limited here to start camp, that's a huge opportunity for, for Justin Williams, Thomas, and, and Samson to get as much work as they can handle. Um, and, and I honestly, even in the first three days, I feel like I've seen them throw more passes to running backs than we did all of the spring. Yeah. I mean, I, they can do that. You're, you're allowed to do that. They didn't do much last year, but you're allowed to do it. it they did some it on Wednesday where they worked on some screen passes. They did some quick motions, uh, motion those guys out of the backfield of the slot. I think Jabari Small and Samson were running um, running routes out of the slot and routes on air on maybe Tuesday what it was. So you know, is that going to be a bigger part of the offense? Is that maybe an evolution that we see this year? We'll, you know, we'll have to see, but that's just been an observation from the first three days. Yeah, I think that's a good time to go to break is to mention that Pat just mentioned a great point there, that the, the staff – has insisted that that the offense can change very quickly year to year based on the personnel that they trust to go out there and play. Uh, so it's not like the way Tennessee played last season is the way Tennessee's always going to play. Now that tempo and those other base concepts of the offense, that stuff's not changing. But but in terms of the just the you know, will they throw to the backs more, you know, which which routes will they throw, what will they let the quarterback do? That stuff can change pretty quickly based on what they feel like they have. So, yeah, I mean, I think Pat made a good point there. They might be able to do that more because uh, they, they might feel like that's the best chance to get yards in some situations, which maybe when you had all those receivers last year, you just kind of were like, no, let's just throw the ball to those guys. So we'll see. Lots to discuss. Lots more going on. And there is a new player to discuss. We've talked about him a little bit already, Lynn J. Dixon. Uh, you know about him. We talked about him. If you're a college football fan, you know who the guy is anyway. But if you're a Tennessee fan, you know Tennessee's been close a couple again a couple times to getting him. And now it's finally happening. He is transferring to Tennessee. There is a lot to talk about there. But before we do that, we are overdue for a break. So we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc. And then we will be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a minute ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across Tarrant Lair at his home daycare center. Talking Tennessee football, a big, big week for the Vols as always. It's football time or football practice time in Tennessee anyway. Lots to discuss about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the team here in the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit of recruiting also. Plenty to discuss. We're going to get to all of it. Before we do that, though, guys, just a, a quick quick uh, request from our end. If you could take about mm, 60 to 90 seconds out of your day right now and go in and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, that would be spectacular. That would help us out a lot. Uh, listen, if you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's there's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out a lot is if you go in there, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we are happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Even at this hour, no problem for us. Uh, but the, the one thing that we ask is that you go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. That helps us grow the wolf pack as we've done since we started this thing years ago. So if you're already doing 
doing that, thank you. We love you. And if not, uh, go f*** yourself. That's the... Uh, that's the motto. Also, one quick other thing to, to mention here. This is a big one, guys. Right now, we got a preseason camp special running on the site at GoBoss247.com. Got a 50% off of an annual subscription right now to the site. So this is only going to run for another few days or so, but uh, maybe another four or five days. So so hurry, hurry. Don't don't walk. Um, don't jog. Just you saying bolt it. Get out of there. Go sprint to GoVols247.com. Go in there. I guess we should say go squirrel white yourself over to GoVols247.com. Get that 50% off of an annual subscription. Go do that right now. It's one of, it's already a good deal if you pay full price, but this is half of that. Come on, guys. It's a no-brainer. Just, just go do that. Just hit just hit the pause button right now and go do it. And if you have already signed up and are a member of the site, we thank you. Yes. You're also, awesome. if you're a if you're a monthly subscriber too, you can upgrade to annual through this deal. So if you are interested in taking advantage of that, just do you it. Can, yep, you can do that too. Yeah, it's just right there. It's just boom. It's just it's a simple upgrade button. Just go click it, and uh, then you get that special song and dance from Ryan that uh, you get when you sign up to be a member of GoVols247.com. And um, you know, if you don't know, you better ask somebody. So that's all I'm saying about that. Guys, this is uh, something that we again have discussed on this podcast, the most recent episode, actually. Um, but this is something that now actually has happened. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon, former uh, big-time prospect, former Clemson running back, guy who had, I think, 1,400, 1,500 yards at Clemson there for a couple years and then transferred to West Virginia. And then just as quickly as he matriculated into Morgantown, he matriculated out of Morgantown, went right back into the transfer portal, and he is going to go to Tennessee. Uh, this is a, a big addition for Tennessee. I don't know that this changes the entire world or anything, but when you look at the situation Tennessee was in when Laneith Whitehead went down with an injury that's going to cost him the whole season, it's not really tenable to go into a situation, into a season with four healthy scholarship running backs. And right now, with Jalen Wright dinged up for a couple weeks, they got three. So they needed to go get somebody and go in to get somebody of this caliber, even though there are cherry red flags on this situation. This is still something that I think is a no-brainer for Tennessee. It's a risk probably worth taking. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's a no brainer for sure. Uh, I I will say I I've kind of said this already on on, on the checkerboard on GoVols twenty four seven, but I this I could see this having a pretty wide range of, of possible outcomes. I mean I I think on the on the on the higher end he could end up getting. You're the worst a, Magic Eight Ball ever. I know, but I mean I just just being honest on this one because Guys, this he's guy, either going to be really good or really bad or somewhere in between. Yeah, it's going to be one of those. <laughs> says Ron Callahan. I'm just saying it's hard to project what he's going to do because he's a really interesting guy. I mean, you look at his freshman and sophomore years at Clemson, and if you get that version of him three years later, you're getting a really good player that makes this backfield better immediately. Um, but you also look at the fact that his junior year, he played a little bit less at Clemson, uh, had less than 200 yards that year, I think. Uh, his his senior year, uh, the few games that he did play at Clemson before transferring, they brought in a five-star freshman, Will Shipley, that had, had something to do with this for sure. But, you know, he was the most ex- experienced guy. Travis Etienne's out of the picture. He gets 10 carries in three games and decides to bounce. Um, so, you know, whatever happened there, he, he ends up in the transfer portal early in, early in the season. And then he obviously goes to West Virginia for six months or so, and, and things don't end well there. And, and he is in the transfer portal again by late June. So there are reasons to think that, hey – Fans should temper their expectations, and, and that's probably a fair stance at this point. But given the state of Tennessee's backfield, and you know, even with Jalen Wright being a somewhat proven commodity uh, after after one year in the program, where he showed signs of being a pretty solid player last year, I think, and then and then Jabari, Jabari Small having established himself pretty well as the starter going into this season, um, you know, just despite all of that, I could see him being good enough talent wise that if he's if he, if he shows the work ethic and commitment and attitude that, that they expect to see from him, he could, he could easily be this team's number two running back, you know, not, but maybe even fairly quickly, you know, we'll, we'll see how quickly he can pick things up, but he's a veteran. You, know, you would think there are going to be a lot of things that would translate uh, from, from systems he's been in before. You would think, you know, his ability to protect the quarterback from having been in some good programs before is, is going to carry over pretty well. So I, I really wish I could. I wish I had a better crystal ball on this one to, to tell you how it's going to play out. But I just, I, I think this one could really help Tennessee a lot. But there's also some, like you said, Wes, some some real reasons to to say eh, let's wait and see how it goes first because this obviously went pretty 
pretty sour at West Virginia pretty quickly. Like out of the and, gates. And without, like out of the yeah, gates. Yeah, and, and without knowing for sure, you know, all the ins and outs, it's just you, you hope that whatever happened there is, is you know, in his past and that he's going to take take full advantage of this opportunity because he is getting one more chance to, with two years of eligibility, worth noting, not just this year, um, if he wants to use it, he can hang around for another year. But, you know, this is a, this is kind of a one last chance maybe for him to, to really test himself at a, at a major program and play his way into the NFL if he, if he does well. So let's, let's see if he can make the most of it. But he's, he's a talented kid, and this is, I mean, for a, for a third day of camp pickup, you know, this is about as good as it gets. So I think it's a nice pickup for Tennessee under the circumstances. Yeah, I have sort of three thoughts on this. I think the first one is that they needed to take somebody after Whitehead went down. I mean, it's just yeah. um, four scholarship backs is, is not where you want to be coming into a season, especially with two of them freshmen who have never played. So um, I think the situation when Whitehead went down had gotten into a into the dire range. So that's why they kicked the tires on some guys, and, and this is the guy they've ended up with in Dixon. Second point is I, I probably would keep my expectations low um, just based on he's not, you know, played, been productive over the past maybe couple of seasons. He seemed to have somewhat acrimonious, at, you know, departures at, at Clemson and, and at West Virginia. Um, although that said, I, I think Tennessee's culture and, and the leadership that Tennessee has in its locker room, uh, if he does anything that, that starts getting out of line, there are guys there that will – get him back in line or otherwise. So, uh, of course, we should point out, we haven't pointed out that there was a, a little bit of a scuffle in practice on Wednesday uh, between Gerald Vinci and R.J. Perry. I wonder what that the was leadership fun. Of, yeah, was that, that was, was fun to watch. It was, uh, <laughs> you don't you, see a lot of that. You, well, you see you see fights in preseason football practices literally every year, just about everywhere, happen in the NFL all the time. Um, you don't only see them on the third day, but um, – and we don't see them in person much because we're not right. in practice long enough to see that. Like usually early in practice, I mean, this is a simple drill. Offensive lineman against another offensive lineman, just a basic technique drill. You don't see a lot of tempers flare with stuff like that. So usually that's like the team stuff later in practice where we've long been gone. So that, that was kind of yeah, a rare treat for us, I yeah. guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, I, I showed my wife the clip that, that Ryan managed to catch. Good, good job uh, filming that one there, Callahan. Sorry, I, cu- sorry I couldn't pass it along, folks. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, they got, they both threw a, a series of exchanges, you know, exchanging some blows there. Um, and she was just like, how does that happen? I'm like, they had to have been a buildup, you know, on, there had to have been something that, that got them going that morning. Um, and then she was like, what do they deal with that? I'm like, they probably just sat him down and said like, don't do this again. And probably yeah. made him sort of kiss and make up. They yeah. couldn't like kick him out of practice because then they would just go to the locker room and probably continue the fight in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, you just, you, you, you split, I mean, you just, you split them up and you'd be like, Hey guys, what the hell? But, and then you move on. But with Dixon, I mean, we, we've heard a lot all off season, even going back in the last year, about the culture that, that that has been built in this program. I I think it's more than just talk. I think it's it's real, um, and it's something that 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 they've done a good job of creating from the staff to the, some of the player leadership that they had last year to some of the player leadership they have this year. Um, that there there are guys and, and parameters to keep a potential guy that that might disrupt things in line. Um, so this isn't a, a situation where like, it would be different if they were bringing him in last year is kind of what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah. And, and the third thing is this is this is a, you know, Tennessee has tried to get running backs here and there and through the portal all offseason. They've been closer to some guys than others. But uh, when they didn't get any of those guys, they left themselves open to this potential situation where you get an injury, potentially a bad one early on and and this is sort of the, the hand they've been dealt and they've, they've had to deal with it but um you know i think this is again i would temper things but uh this is a, you know they had to they had to they had to bring in a guy whoever they could get they had to bring him in just because they needed another body yeah i think that the there's again there, there's a couple of people i know down at clemson and and really only just a, maybe one person i know pretty well up there in morgantown but but there's I think there's a there's a couple of things that, to note here about this that I think add context to it. Whatever was going on with Lynn J. Dixon early in his Clemson career, I never heard a bad word about the kid. Something happened when they changed running backs coaches. Something just didn't go right, and I don't know who's to blame in this situation. I assume probably the player needs to grow up, but clearly something, you know, the five-star comes in, he doesn't like it, you know, it just something did not go right, and – 
from there on, there's been really a whole lot of criticism about him. You know, when he got to Morgantown pretty quickly, there were some people going, what is this guy's deal? Uh, just rub some people the wrong way. So there is, it's just interesting how something could just kind of switch like that. So I think this could be a situation where if you airdrop a guy into a program where, except for, you know, the good old boys will be boys Wednesday morning tussle between a couple guys. These guys do care for each other. There is a vibe in that building that you cannot fake. It's not that everybody's, you know, like they're all the happiest dudes in the world all the time, but they do care about each other. They do like being in that building. They do like working toward that common goal. They've got that going on right now. And it's not fake like it's been with other staffs in the past, one in particular. It is a real thing right now. It just is. And I think that if you airdrop a guy into that situation, of course you're taking a risk, but, you know, especially if you do it after camp's already started. But if you've got a situation where most of the team is all kind of going in the same direction, you can take a chance like this and it can come off a little bit better because you feel like you've got a lot of – there's a lot of backbone in there that can handle that guy. There's a lot – I think this is uh, this is on Dixon, honestly. I mean, Tennessee yes. needs him, but I think he might need Tennessee more because we're what a couple days into August here, and he's, you know, I, I don't know what other options Ryan would maybe know better than I do what other options he might have had. But this is he, probably his last chance, right? I mean, this is a chance for yeah. him to, you know, it, it's it, it's your third program of your career at this point. It's got to be the one that that you make it work. So. From Tennessee's standpoint, I think it, the you know there is risk, but it's it's low risk because if you come in and you get the guy like Ryan said that was you know early in his Clemson career that was a really good player, then it looks like a really good you know bit of business if you will. Um, but if it doesn't work out, you know you had to take somebody, um, and, and it would probably be a situation where if it doesn't work out, it's on Dixon. So uh, I think a lot of the onus on whether this move pans out ultimately is on him because this is his shot. He, he, I think he, like I said, I think he needed Tennessee more than maybe Tennessee needed him. That said, Tennessee really needed him once they, they got down to the, a backfield with four guys and, and two of them being freshmen. Yeah. And I, I, I applaud Tennessee for taking the swing on this one because I think again, under the circumstances, this is a pretty good player still out there. Now to your point, Patrick, I think it's dead on. He, he needs Tennessee as much as they need him, if not more, because he entered the portal in late June. He sat there for about a month, and until this Tennessee thing came together, uh, who knows where he would have ended up. I'm, I'm not even sure what, what his other options might have been. So for this to still be a possibility and not, you know, not locked in by the first day of camp shows you just how tenuous the situation was for him. Who knows where he ends up. So he, he could have dropped to an FCS school at, you know, at best uh, if it had gone much longer. So I, I think this was a this is a great landing spot for him, and he's got to be thankful for the opportunity to play exactly. at an SEC school after all this. Exactly, and, and he's falling into a great situation. I mean, he couldn't have really asked for a better spot to to be in because he, again, there's an opportunity here. I, I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal, but hey, Jalen Wright's not even out there right now at full you know full participation. He's got a chance to to get a lot of reps here right away, get into the system, learn learn what he's doing get a feel for, for how Tennessee runs things and playing at that fast pace. And if he looks like the guy that he was two years ago, uh, Tennessee's potentially getting a steal, and he's got a chance to get a lot of carries. So I, I, there, there's no reason for him not to be motivated. Uh, there, there's something – you're kind of getting a guy in a contract here. That, that's always a good situation for a professional team. That's kind of what you're getting here for Lynn J. Dixon. This is a guy playing for a chance to play in the NFL, and, and he knows it's probably his last chance to play at a big-time program. So uh, take a chance. Swing for the fences a little bit. I mean, the other possibilities out there, like Marquis Step, that had started off at USC and transferred to Nebraska, and then transferring out of Nebraska, like that, he's had some injury troubles and stuff. Like that's that's a guy that to me just didn't have a lot of upside, you know. And most of the guys in the portal at this point were pretty much guys like that, where they were bodies, but you you couldn't have really expected to get much out of them. This is one that if it works out, again, I think you've got a guy that's a top two running back on this team, and. and could, could end up with a lot of yards this year. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to end up that way, but I think that upside is there, and, and I applaud Tennessee for taking the upside because this offense, as we've seen, loves to run the ball. They just need somebody to do it. I don't know why they've struggled to land big-time running backs the last few years, both staff for that matter, uh, aside from Eric Gray. I it, would say they've is, not really done it. It is weird. 
I've not, yeah, they've, they've just not done a great job of the last four or five years of, of landing big time running backs. They need to change that, but, um, but that, that, that gives him an opportunity to come in and, and play. So we'll, we'll, let's see if he can make the most of it and, and, and take advantage of kind of a second chance here. Yeah. And is and, that where I, is that, is this where I point out the two freshmen on campus are both four stars? No, I, I, Hey, look, they I'm were big time that. guys, but they were four stars. You're right. Yeah. I'm not, and, I, and I'm not knocking those guys. I, again, I like Dylan Sampson, uh, from what I've seen so far. And, and, and I still think Justin Williams Thomas is a solid player. That's got a chance to, to be pretty good over the long haul. Um, but I, I just they for whatever reason, you know, like you said, those were not I mean, you beat out Auburn down the stretch for Justin Williams Thomas, but that they've just not had a lot of uh, a lot of those big time wins. And it's hard. Running back is hard to get those big time talents. But um yes, yeah, even Eric Gray, you know, that's you're you're flipping him from Michigan, not not really beating out a lot of SEC schools for for a guy like that. So that they they've they've struggled to get big time recruiting wins there. They they need to change that. You know, Alvin Kamara, Ty Ty Chandler, you know, they've had a couple uh, in recent years, but not too many, and that's that's kind of why the roster I think is where where you have an opportunity for a Lynn J. Dixon to step right in and play. Yeah, and I think as I think it was Pat said a minute ago, this this all comes down to to Lynn J. Dixon, and, and if this kid realizes just how absolutely ridiculously fortunate he is right now, if he understands that, then he has a chance to have a pretty good season at Tennessee because this is a kid who, when he leaves West Virginia. You know, you're not talking about a second chance. Now you're talking about a third chance. And you're leaving West Virginia, and nobody's really barking up your tree much for four or five weeks. Now to end up at a place like Tennessee, one you know, a team that's going to be ranked going into the season, a team that traditionally one of the biggest fan bases in college football, a team that, you know, one of the more all-time winningest programs in, in college football history, not so much recently, but to be in that kind of situation, to have that fall in your lap – in a system in which you would fit as a player uh, to have a chance to maybe even get reps on that team. If this kid realizes 10% of how lucky he is, he'll keep his head on straight and make something of this, I think. And, and not just that, but the school he almost went to out of high school to begin with and the school that when he entered the transfer portal last fall, he visited, I think, first. Yep. Uh, even though Tennessee wasn't even really going after him at that point, he came over here for the South Carolina game last October. Um, and Tennessee wasn't one of his finalists in the end because they, they weren't pushing for him. Thought probably thought there would be some other other running backs that were were maybe less of a risk in the transfer ding, portal ding, that they ding. would like better, yeah. and, and more eligibility left, things like that. So th- there were reasons that they they wanted to wait and see what else was out there, but they didn't go after him at the time. And so yeah, now the a team that he almost picked uh, or had some interest in at two different times and it didn't work out for different reasons. Now he ends up there. Yeah, I mean for all that to work out for him. I think he better be looking at this as, man, I'm, I'm fortunate to be here and get another chance to play at a, at a big-time program. And you do wonder how being airdropped into a team sort of after camp has started, you know, when bonds have already kind of started forming, guys have been working out together for, for, for a while now. You just kind of throw a guy into that situation. You never know exactly how that's going to go. But one thing that, that I've, you know, noticed the entire time, you know, that I've been in this business and been around these kinds of guys is that, if you can play, if you can help, they're going to welcome you in pretty quickly. Uh, that's not going to be a problem. If you walk into that room and those guys can see, hey, this guy can help us win football games, this guy's going to make us better, then they're going to welcome him with open arms. They're going to give him a blank slate because if you can help, then you know rules are a little bit different. But it's still you never quite know exactly how it's going to go when you just kind of bring somebody in like this but uh, he has visited Tennessee before multiple times you know he knows a couple guys on the roster he you know was, was around some of them in, in his high school days a little bit he knows these guys some of them so I'm interested to see how this goes because I would have thought when he went to West Virginia that he would have sort of had his head on straight and things would have worked out a little bit for him there because he could step right in and play there you know it's a, it's a nice place where you can kind of get away and regroup and focus on football um, but it just it just did not work from the beginning there. But, hey, new start. Country roads isn't for everybody. No, that's what I said. Maybe he just hated John Denver. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that was something Maybe that was something on his mind. Maybe country. Maybe he maybe he went to West Virginia before he drove through the state. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's then like, had to change a heart. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is just trees. That's all I see is just trees. And coal. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of coal. And toll roads. Um, of course, I can say that. My family's from Hazard, Kentucky. Like, I can talk about coal towns, <laughs> you know, but still, but still, yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting to me because 
this is to be where they were in the situation they were in when Whitehead went down. This just feels like both sides in this equation have gotten very, very lucky. And I, yeah, has a chance to upgrade Tennessee's roster. I mean, point blank, I'll just say it. I mean, Lenith Whitehead, he's got some talent. He's shown some flashes at times, but if Lynn J. Dixon – Should play linebacker. (laughs) I mean, if if he is 2019 Lynn J. Dixon, this is a steal for Tennessee, and they might have just made themselves better through this kind of one-for-one swap, you know, at least for this year. But, yeah, I mean, that's – it's he instantly becomes a – and as you hear the thunder, maybe in the background uh, yep. at my house, sure did. Um, sure did. You, uh, you, uh, but, but I mean, no doubt he becomes one of the most fascinating storylines for the rest of camp. I think because what he does for this offense could be one of the biggest wild cards, and how this how this team looks since they have so many kind of proven parts. Has there been anything else, guys? Because we're about wrapped up here on time. We we got to get out of here and got to go cover some practice and do some stuff. But in in terms of sort of what we've seen so far or, or maybe even what we're really looking forward to seeing a little bit over the weekend when they can get on some pads and we'll see just a little bit again and we'll be able to hear from people that, that have seen more than we have people in the program you know we'll do the digging that we always do what with this team in particular like when they get on pads are you going like looking right toward the line of scrimmage or or, or what's what's going on in, in y'all's heads about this time of year yeah, looking ahead, it, it's the line of scrimmage. It's what happens at left tackle. What do they find as the some of the next guys up at uh, some of those offensive line positions? So, you know, who are the sixth and seventh guys? Because um, I think they need to uh, address some of the the depth there um, uh, up front. And, and obviously, who, who emerges at left tackle? Is it going to be Jeremiah Crawford? Is it going to be Gerald Mincy? Um, you know, where, where does Dane Davis have a role for this team? And then the defensive line, we know they're going to rotate up there. We know they got sort of a, a, a new headlining bunch there with, with Byron Young and, and Tyler Barron and, and, and Amari Thomas. What What is, you know, how do some of those freshmen look? You know, they're obviously getting barked at by Rodney Garner right now. We also have to talk to Garner on Monday of next week. So that'll be, that's always a good time. Good um, but, you know, how does that group shake out? Um, that That's obviously where, that, that's where my attention goes when they start getting pads on. I will say, few things that, that have stood out to me this week. First of all, I love the story that Joey Halsley told about Hendon Hooker having to lighten up and have fun yeah, and seeing him, seeing him out playing basketball and just dominating and having fun and being like, I want you to play football like you play that. that that's a great story. It really kind of tells you, um, you know, just kind of seeing Hooker blossom over the past 18 months. Because yeah, he was a really serious guy when he came in. Right. Like, he was like, and I'm, I'm here to do like, a job. I'm here to hurt. I'm here to, to, to fix this thing. And, and that's just how he was. And I, and I was talking to somebody at practice the other day, and, and we were kind of talking about Dixon a little bit, and, and he was telling me that there's guys that would keep keep him in line if he did cause any trouble. And, and I'm like, I immediately went to Hooker because he's, you know, he's, this is his team. And, and I'm always like, it always seems like Hendon's having, like, the best day. Like, I, like yes. I can't, it's hard for me to picture Hendon getting mad. And he was like, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get into guys. And so um, seeing him, that, that was a great story. Halsey um, was great Monday. That was a fantastic yeah. media session. Uh, all offseason, there's been a lot of hype, hype around Jalen Hyatt. Um, I, I've sort of been tempering a little bit, but he had a couple of, of, of plays on Monday in one-on-ones where um, he, he ran a route against Jalen McCullough where it was a slant. McCullough tried to jam him at the top of the route, and, and Hyatt put his arms out, kind of braced him. He didn't push off. It wouldn't have been a flag, but he kind of bra- he kind of put his arms out and, and absorbed the, the, the play and sort of bounced off of him. And then made the catch. And that was a sign of like, okay, this guy is bigger now. He's stronger. That's an example of that showing up on the field. Uh, and then he had another route where he put McCullough in a blender, <laughs> running an option route where he faked inside, threw a lot of oohs and ahs from, from some of the team and even probably some of us on the sideline. And uh, that just that kind of triggered to me like, okay, this guy might really have a really good year. I've been sort of tempering my expectations with him, but uh, those two moments really, really stood out to me as a guy like, okay, th- this guy seems to have a lot of confidence in, and you can see the work he's put in translating to the field. Uh, my final point is, you know, I know we're not supposed to root for people in this business, but I really like to see Latrell Bumpus stay healthy all yes, season. Yes, that's my point. Oh, that was one of my um, last points. You're, that's the second uh, time you drank my milkshake in this, this, this he's, podcast. He's probably the first third-year senior in the history of college football, yeah, okay. um, given that he was a senior in 2020 and is still playing in 2022. But um, took a red shirt last year to, to – you know, make sure he was healthy. He had a knee situation in the spring. If he can 
stay healthy, I think he's definitely a rotation guy and, and probably sort of an added bonus that Ethan's flying because I think he's a guy that could be a really dependable player and uh, gives us some inside-outside versatility, although it sounds like after he played tackle last year, he's going to be more of an end who can slide inside and it's a pass rush situation if he needs to. But uh, he looks slimmer. They got him listed at 290. I don't think I don't think that's accurate. I think he's um, – I don't, I don't know what his weight is. We didn't ask him. But um, he's not 290, and I think it, if, he, if he can help – maybe slide outside and shore up that end spot behind Tyler Barron. I think that that makes their defensive line look a little bit better. And I also think he's just a guy that you absolutely love having in the complex every day. He's a guy that you love yeah. having in the meeting rooms. Latrell Bumpus is a guy who, you know, talk about Hendon Hooker never looking like he has a bad day. Latrell Bumpus, man, that kid has had, he's been through some stuff. He's been banged up. You know, he's had to move positions a few times. He, he hadn't always gotten the best draw, but he's just always in such a, pleasant mood and optimistic and in there putting in work and you won't find anybody in that building who doesn't love that guy and you know I, I think that's and with him and, and you got Byron Young who also is is becoming more of a bit of a leader now I don't know if that's naturally sort of his thing but he's he's such a dynamic athlete and an older guy and people really have taken to him and and you know having a couple guys like that like in that in that that position group in particular, really both sides of the line of scrimmage, they've got some some men in, in those in those rooms. They've got some older guys. They've got some guys who, you know, you lose a guy like Matthew Butler, that's a big presence to lose. But they're, I think they're going to have some mature guys leading the way in those groups. I would agree. Uh, one more thing from that Halsley session that that uh, that piqued my interest was uh, was hearing him talk about you know Hendon Hooker maybe being able to manipulate defenses a little bit more this this year. He, he mentioned a specific play during that day's practice where he kind of did something along those lines. He's like, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but he, he turned around and kind of smiled after the play. And if, if he can really take that kind of step and really, really master the game, because I thought at times last year he was, he was making smart decisions, but he was, it was sort of just, it, it felt by the book almost. Cautious, yeah. Yeah. Cautious and, and just, you know, doing what he needed to do. And, and that's great. But like, if you can start, really mastering things and really manipulating uh, opposing defenses and being one step ahead of them in some cases, uh, boy, that could, he could really take things to another level. And that that's where this team has its highest upside. I think this, this offense has to still carry this team in my opinion, because while the defense might be, might, might have a chance to be better if that pass rush can take a step, I still don't think it's going to be a defense that's really going to shut teams down. You're going to have to win some high scoring games, Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman, give them that, that chance. So I, hearing about stuff like that, really interesting to me. Um, I, I'll agree with Patrick. I was a little bit skeptical on the Jalen Hyatt talk. I'm starting to believe it now. I think he's he's looking pretty good. Jimmy Holiday, for that matter, a guy that surprised me a little bit. Good name. Um, I was a little good. Good name. I, I was a little skeptical of him this spring. I'm 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 hearing enough about him now that I, I think he really could help this team this fall. Kind, kind and, of a forgotten man. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Jimmy Callaway, I think, was the name people got uh, more attached to last year with that long touchdown he had. And uh, what game was that? Was that the Pitt game? Pitt. Pitt. Um, yeah. So uh, I think they were less people... enamored after the Florida game. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so or yeah, maybe that... they just got their Jimmies confused, which hey, has happened before. Hey, oh. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So so I, th- those are a couple a uh, couple things that stood out to me uh, as far as what I'm looking for going forward. To me, I, I think the most fascinating position battle I, in some ways that left tackle uh, battle is is really interesting. But I, I I'm more focused on the corner spot uh, spots, I should say. Does Warren Burrell hang on? I think he's been kind of the the clubhouse leader for most of the offseason. Or, uh, you know, does do Kamal Haddon and Brandon Turnage or even Christian Charles, who's been a little bit banged up early in camp, uh, do those guys challenge him? Or, you know, who ends up starting there? Because I think that one's still kind of wide open, potentially both spots. And Tennessee needs to – obviously needs to find who's who the best options are there because that's a position that's still very much a concern for this team. And they've – at least got a handful of options this year, but just none of them really proven, especially with Charles not having played cornerback before this spring. Uh, I, I think the rest of the secondary is fairly set right now. I, I think I'll be surprised if Wesley Walker, the Georgia Tech transfer, is not the starting uh, star. Yeah, he looks I think, smooth. He looks like a kid who just goes about his business and he's mature and he knows what he's doing. T- carries himself like a pro is, is what I keep hearing from, from people in the program. And just, I, it, it certainly seems like things are headed that way to tomorrow. McDonald did open this uh, camp as the, the number one star, but I, I think that's, 
uh, that's a battle that's probably going to going to shift toward Walker here pretty quickly uh, as they kind of opened camp with the the sea, the spring ending depth chart essentially is what it looked like. So, so I think that's, that's going to sort yeah. itself out. So that's Nashville, uh, Nashville overtaking Memphis, which will, Pat will love. Ooh. <laughs> I wasn't going to well, go I mean, there, but you know. if they want to, you know, if they want to struggle on defense, then they just take all the Memphis guys off of them. <laughs> or you can um, roll out there with with Banks and Amari and Eason and McDonald and just ball out, kick butt, <laughs> and take names. And I do think the safeties are, are still going to be Trayvon Flowers and, and Jalen McCullough, certainly to open the season. I, I do think Andre Turrentine is going to be a valuable backup for this team, and, and I won't be surprised if he plays a lot. But I think they're going to open the season, certainly, with Flowers and McCullough as the starters. So the rest of the secondary, not, not set in stone, but certainly looking more solidified. To me, that, that corner battle is really interesting. And uh, I, I, I'm eager to see if you know Kamal Haddon and Brandon Turnage in particular uh, can kind of w- win out eventually. And their, their talent and intrigue can, can sort of take down Warren Burrell despite his experience. Yeah, I think that the, those two veterans are going to start at safety. And if they do anything short of like – you know, in a team meeting, they walk up and they like slap the coaches in the face and then they go pull down their pants and take a crap like in the middle of the floor. Anything short of that, those two seniors are going to be the guys who start at safety, I think, going into the season. It's just a matter of if either or both of them begins to struggle, um, how long will the leash be given some of the history there? That's the interesting thing to me. But if you're Tennessee, you're hoping that they uh, – that they that they go in there and that they play well and that they take care of business and that they have big senior seasons and that everybody's happy. So that's what they're hoping for. We'll see if that happens. Joe, got anything else? I know we've gone a little bit longer than we wanted to, but uh, I think we got a lot to discuss, um, But uh, and we did a lot of it. But uh, y'all got anything else? No, I, 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 I'm, I think we covered pretty much everything, Patrick. Anything else? You got anything on the holders, snappers, punters? Ryan, don't even get me started on special teams, my man. <laughs> Punters are people too, and I will not have any slander of Paxton Brooks or any of his cronies. There you go. I think Nor we, should there be. We can leave it right there, guys. Thanks for the time, and I'll see both of y'all. Hey, probably just a, just a few minutes. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Bye. And there's the button, and now I can say, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. As always, we always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want uh, just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, and you can get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, tons of stuff going on there these days, obviously. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums that run around the clock 24-7, as the name suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss Anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with Tennessee fans across the world, pretty much every freaking time zone that exists. We've got somebody there. We got people up at different hours of the day. We got all kinds, any time of day, anytime you go there, you're going to find a bunch of people on there talking Tennessee athletics, talking SEC stuff, talking pro sports, talking life, advice with kids, what to get spouses for their for anniversaries, uh, lawn maintenance. Oh, just You never know what people are going to be talking about on there. And it'll be anything that's not political or religious in nature. Anything else right there on the board for you to discuss. And you can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. That is all that it costs. And after you pay or get that seven-day that seven free trial, after that, you get us that, that low rate. That's one mediocre lunch per month. But you don't just get GoVols 24-7 with that. You get access to Paramount Plus with that for free in perpetuity. You also get access to a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever done commercial-free. Tons of exclusive stuff uh, that you can only find like you know 1883, Picard, Evil, Star Trek. All kinds of stuff that you can only find on Paramount Plus. You got new movies. You got classic movies. Old blockbuster franchises. You know, comedies, dramas, horror. Everything. Stuff for the kids. All of it 
all of it and stuff from the archives of uh, of CBS, obviously, and MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of it, all of it right there. Something for the entire family and live sports, SEC sports, NFL sports. Uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, French soccer, uh, PGA Tour. You get everything on there. And we, you get all of that and our site, all of it for just about 100 bucks and change a year. One of the best deals you can possibly find. And if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go do that. Don't be a fool. Go do that. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from, hear from us in a few days. So until then, uh, try to be good to each other. Try to have basic human empathy for, for people out there in the world. There's not enough of that these days. There's too many a-holes. We don't need that. Be good. See you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.